Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, I'm your host, Tori, for the next two hours. It is the 15th of January, 2019, and a lot has happened. Like I said, Pelosi would be the star of this week, and she is. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Like I said, we will be discussing the USMCA uh, in the second hour. Uh, we're going to be talking trade. We're going to be talking asylum seeking. Um, but now I thought for the first hour, we can kind of talk about what happened yesterday and report to you news that no one has. I'm currently in the process of writing up an article that will explain more than what the Justice Department has provided to us in a very peculiar case. That kind of leads back to what I've been saying for a very long time, which is our president is dealing with the outside threats, the global threats, the people that are funding these globalists, this mafia that runs our country. (laughs) But in addition, um, they're actually already here. Uh, I wanted to add that. And it is all coming to light. Things are being exposed that no one ever thought would be. We can also discuss about my friend, William Barr. Uh, I did write a very detailed piece about him over a month ago uh, and just how deep state he, he is. I have been throughout this morning watching his hearing, and it reminds me of a show of just watching bootlickers um, kissing some major tushy right there and not really any substance. Uh, The only thing we see is a lot of, uh, you know, smiling and talking, kind of like the same stuff we saw with Mueller when Obama decided to extend his tenure as FBI director from 10 years, which was the law, uh, to 12, close to 13, uh, until Comey uh, picked up the torch from his buddy Mueller. So I want us to go through all that. I just wanted to remind everyone, you can follow me on Twitter at Tori underscore says, and on Gab. I'm always open to emails at Tori at Tori says.com. That's T-O-R-E at Tori says.com. And don't forget in the second half hour, I do open up my phone lines. I would totally love to hear from you um, and answer any questions you have. And now where do we start? Uh, besides that uh, tomorrow, uh, as always, we have Wednesdays with Laura and Laura Loomer will talk to you. And if she has time, because she's planning her next, um, well, I shouldn't say much. Let her tell you. She might be traveling, so I might be short, <clears throat> but I can say 
that I didn't really tweet much about what she was doing or how, because, you know, these things need to be under wraps. People shouldn't know about it. So that way things run smoothly and there's no deterrence uh, when executing such high level, I would say, protesting. So where should I start? I think I should start with Laura Luma, right? She was trending. She's been silenced, right? She left this weekend, uh, this past weekend, and uh, drove out uh, to the West Coast. She actually went to the border, crossed it, along with illegals that were crossing, uh, where there was no wall, and how easy it was to cross back and forth between the U.S. and Mexico, which should be very alarming, considering that the majority of people that cross our border undocumented, remember, we can't quantify, are not all, you know, Mexicans or Central or South Americans. They hail from countries that are on our terror list. We have, you know, uh, West Africans, Central Africans, Indians, Pakistanis, Iranians, Afghanis, you name it, they're coming because the border's open and it's free game. And not a lot of these people are coming for asylum because uh, kind of Laura actually pointed out, but we have to remind everyone that asylum is going to the nearest country to yours um, or where you're residing or visiting to uh, requesting because indeed you fear for your life or you are threatened. Oh, and before we get into Laura Loomer, I'd like to talk about Milo. Milo made an announcement the other day, which is quite important. We all know Milo Yiannopoulos. He was one of the first people banned because Leslie couldn't handle the fact that Ghostbusters revamp with women sucked. It totally sucked. And so he was banned from Twitter, remember? Well, he's our outspoken gay Jewish man. Uh, from England, who used to um, write for us through Breitbart. Uh, he's a great guy, total diva, love him, uh, because he speaks his mind and says things that a lot of people would never utter, but think. Now, he is actually applying for asylum within the United States because he fears for his life going back to the United Kingdom because it has been Islamified. You know, and meanwhile, while I was getting ready to go on air, and because I have shared this, but those that are new listeners, my husband is actually British, still holds British citizenship. He's here with a, you know, residency card, all legal and stuff, right? And... um uh, I have tons of friends and family there. And all they did was tell me about this, you know, guy with a machete in the tube uh, and being tased. Finally, tasers for the London police. Yay. Um, at least they have something to arm themselves because uh, they keep getting beat up. But that's what's going on in London. You know, they have uh, Sharia police in full effect. Uh, you you know, British people are actually the minority and um, they are not allowed to complain about anyone that is of any tone, color, more than, you know, a hint of tan or else you're considered a bigot, uh, regardless if your complaint is meritful and if indeed you feel threatened, uh, it's too bad. We see how they deal with journalists and outspoken persons. We've seen Tommy Robinson. And, and 
let's remember Milo is not soft-spoken. He is known globally for his comments, has traveled around the world, and him uh, being refused asylum here is indeed a threat to his life. Now, that is a bona fide asylum. You know, remember, conservative journalists are barred from entering the United Kingdom, too. So let's all keep that in mind and hope that Milo's... um filing will be accepted. Uh, it's not that he's seeking a better life, uh, you know, um, in regards to work or, uh, being out there, but he is, uh, seeking an asylum to ensure his safety. So let's see how that pans out. Now, circling back to Laura, what she did was genius. She went in there and I loved it and discussing with her prior to it happening, um, you know, she was just going to go there and say, you know, I feel that I should seek asylum wherever, uh, this is, you know, a sanctuary city, a sanctuary place. So I shouldn't be rejected anywhere. And she made a point, Nancy Pelosi's three foot, you know, stone wall isn't much, but it's still a border defining her property. And if you take that into prospect that the United States is our backyard and we don't have a fence or a wall to protect it, anyone can walk in and hitch up a tent. And she is a hundred percent correct. I also love the fact that she had hired three illegal immigrants to help pitch the tent and they were pitching a tent with victims by the hands of illegal immigrants. So that was a genius way to make her point. I'd be shocked and I'd be, I'd actually want someone to ask Nancy Pelosi about that. Like, what did she think about that? What does she have to say about that event? Would any journalist actually have the cojones to say something and ask her? Don't know. Time will tell, right? Tomorrow, she'll give you the more detailed scoop, hopefully, if it doesn't uh, interject with her travels. But (laughs) what I can say is uh, Nancy Pelosi is coming uh, well to the surface. I mean, I've, I've put out a, an article on ToriSays.com where I walk you through her investments and the fact, you know, the president today tweeted, you know, why is Nancy Pelosi getting paid while other people aren't? And he's right. But think about it. Nancy Pelosi has $70 million in liabilities. Can her Congress salary really help her? Because she took out over $35 million in mortgages just in uh, a, a span of 12 months, which means she's really hurting financially, refinancing and uh, getting money. So Pelosi will see more of that uh, coming to the surface. I'm excited about that. In the meantime, let's talk about something else that's really close to Pelosi. I want you guys to hear something. I'm going to play it for you. All right. Someone was young. They call it like, someone like 15, 14. Minors are always accepted without parental consent. Okay. Okay. Apologies. Where have all the sex work? All right. Someone was young. They call it like, someone like 15, Sex 14. work, right? Minors are always accepted without this is Planned Parenthood speaking with child traffickers. They are a minor. We are obligated to 
you hear any certain information okay. to okay. kind of report. 14 and under, we have to report. 14 under. That includes being 14. Right? Yeah, okay. 14, you know, once they get to 15, then there's a little bit more flavor. So as long as they just lie and say, oh, he's 15. Okay, um, before I continue, just to understand, um, these are pimps talking to, you know, people that are pretending to be pimps, telling Planned Parenthood that they have girls working for for them that are minors. So it's a male and a female um, recording this conversation. And this is um, the... Uh, actual Planned Parenthood employee talking to one of the prostitutes slash pimps, telling her that as long as, you know, they're 14 and over, it should be okay. Um, but, you know, 15 will give them some wiggle room. But listen to what else she says. This is pretty crazy. Just listen. Where have all the stuff work? Like some of them are young. They're kind of like, like 15, 14. Minors are always accepted without... Parental consent. Okay. The okay. only thing that you do have to be careful is if they are a minor, we are obligated if we hear any certain information okay. to okay. kind of report. 14 and under, we have to report. 14 under. What, that includes being 14. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 14, you know, once they get to 15, then there's a little bit more flavor. So as long as they just lie and say, oh, he's 15, 15, you know, as long as they don't say 14, and as long as it's not too much of an age gap, then we just kind of like... Then we just kind of play. What if they do say the 14? You never got this from me. Just to make all of our lives easier. Okay. If they're 14 yeah. and under, yeah. just send them right there if they need an abortion. She gave them an address of where to go for an abortion if they're under 14. Tell them to put down that they're students. Just, students. Yeah, just kind of play along that they're students. We want to make it look as legit as possible. Yeah. This is actually just a minor's rights. This way you guys have a copy of Oh, this. good. And so and you already kind of know before yeah, you get okay. into any situation, like, oh, all right. If it comes down that they do need an abortion, how long until they can sexually active again? Ah, minimal two weeks. Minimal two weeks. Minimal two weeks. Do you, do you maybe have any suggestions about what else they could do? I mean, they still got to work, you know? Yeah, uh, wait the... Okay, guys, what do you say about that? This is a Planned Parenthood manager telling these people that if you bring any child to me to have an abortion, they have to be at least 14 years or older. But don't say that you're 14. Maybe they could lie and say they're 15 or 16. But if the age gap is too apparent, that could be a problem. She also pulled out a piece of paper during this uh, recorded interview and said, if they are under the age of 14, uh, here's where you can take them for an abortion and circled it for them. Does that make you sick or what? But then she continues to say, you know, how, you know, the pimp says, well, you know, they still have to make money. What do we do? What do you suggest? How long can they not be active? She says, well, Two weeks, at least not active, but you know, they can work waist up. How disgusting. This is a woman speaking about children. There is no child under the age of 14 or over the age of 14 or any woman, except maybe I guess a few porn stars, that would be okay. Let's talk children, right? That would be okay with having sex with strange men while they're shedding their baby teeth. This is disgusting. And this is the type of organizations that Nancy 
Pelosi puts her name on. Keep that in mind. This is the type of, or these are the types of organizations that the Democrats put their names on. The organizations that can stand there and joke about a child having an abortion and not being able to work in the sex industry. So, hey, she could do waste up. How disgusting, how vile. These are the people that we are fighting. These are the people that our president is fighting for us. Makes me sick. On that note, on circular investing their lining and pockets and fundraising. I went over how, um, a small group, it's not really small because it's nationwide, like Lutheran social services that hides under the umbrella of Lutheran Lutherans in general. I mean, if I was a Lutheran, I'd be pissed that an organization is taking my religion and turning it into an organized human and child trafficking organization. Not only that, they are bringing immigrants into our nation that are sick and they're making money off of it and they're funding other things with it. So, um, I wanted to, um, mention, I have said this before. You've heard me and Laura talk about it, how they're bringing a, so many refugees from Somalia and Liberia. Now, if anyone wants to call me racist, I really don't care because I'm not. I've been to Somalia myself. I've been to Ethiopia. I have lived with these people. I have seen them up close. So whatever you say, you can keep it to yourself because you've probably never left your mom's basement. The bottom line is, is that these people have specific strands of disease that we cannot test for. Circling back to the comments that our president has said that they bring disease through the border. Uh, circling back to uh, what I have referenced before, the reason we had these mass plagues in Europe it, during the Middle uh, Ages and the Dark Ages was because of mass migration. Something that someone in China it has tolerance to, certain bacteria, bacterium, certain viruses is not the same for someone that has not been exposed to that environment and those pathogens in Europe. Now, here's the kicker. In Minnesota, they have increased their Somali refugee population by the, to the nth power, right? To the point that they have, you know, a little town that could be the size of an actual city in Somalia uh, in Minneapolis, now, another thing that we've seen is an alternate version of polio outbreak in Minnesota. In Minnesota, this polio outbreak is kind of like polio, but it's not. Guess what it is? World Health Organization has identified AFM as a type of polio variant that is concentrated in Somalia. And they've been trying to find a vaccine for it, but cannot. So we can't even test for it. So these tests and screenings that they're doing on these uh, refugees mean absolutely nothing. They are bringing these in and it's our children that are getting sick with it. 
do your homework. Get on DuckDuckGo and take a look. And yesterday, the city of Fargo was having a debate because apparently uh, 97% of the refugees being brought into North Dakota through Lutheran Social Services have latent TB. That means that they have TB that is not active, but can be activated at any time, right? So supposedly they go through these screenings, they've seen they have TB, and yet they let them come. Keep that in mind, because that will be coming to the surface soon with such discussions. Because immigration has to be controlled, or else we have great chaos and disruption, not only economic, not only, you know, socioeconomic interactions and clashing with cultures and lack of, you know, um, their ability to assimilate, but actual disease. This border is very important aside from, you know, the drugs and the criminals and the terrorists that are coming here just waiting for that cue on Twitter, cue on Facebook from their groups to be like, Jihad, let's go. And aside from the child and human trafficking, we have disease. The easiest way to kneel a nation is with biowarfare. And if people are not screened, remember the president said that he increased medical facilities at ports of entry. If we don't screen them correctly, or if they're in an inoculation phase of a disease that has been genetically modified, we are screwed as a nation. Remember Ebola? I mean, who, who can forget it? Everyone freaked out. Everybody, you know, it could have been, it could have been so, it could have not been so, but think about it. Just imagine if you want to attack a nation now, biowarfare is the way to go. And um, that actually ties into the USMCA, which I am so proud that the president factored in there in regards to pharmaceuticals and sharing information uh, and making it transparent and also holding patents, which is pretty cool. We'll get into that in the second half. But think about it, guys. This wall is imperative. Not to say we don't want anyone, because we do. We have jobs that we can't even fill. But we want to make sure that when you come, you don't come in and harm us by way of, you know, murdering people, blowing people up, or giving and, and, you know, providing or facilitating or harboring a disease that can spread really quickly. You know, that's important. I mean, we don't even let foods come in before they're thoroughly checked, just in case there's a spider, you know, where they pick that banana from in South America that doesn't belong in our, uh, you know, in our continent and it comes here and it just invades or if someone brings a plant from another nation plants it in their garden and suddenly it's an invasive species and chokes out natural plants these are the things we have in place to avoid you know in live um transport of animals and food and uh plant life but it's racist to do it for humans like we carry everything i mean we get screened at the airport how many times have you started sweating when they're like, do you have anything to declare? And you're like, I don't have those dates in my bag. I don't know nothing, but you know, you went 
you know, to the Middle East and you got yourself some awesome dates. Or, you know, um, I remember that when, um, I flew back, uh, from Europe, I actually brought olive oil from my, Olive groves, my family's olive groves in Greece, and it was confiscated. They wanted me to pay five hundred dollars. I'm like, what? I literally went on the tree and raked those olives. Now you want me to pay for having that? And they're like, well, you know, it has to be cleared and tested, like all this stuff, because it was liquid. I packaged it correctly, but they wanted to charge me for it and test it. And I was like, you know what? Just keep it, enjoy it. Um, but we do do that for everything. And to say, uh, let's just, you know, point out all these things that we need and why we need this wall is, is this, it's our safety. Our safety is dependent on us controlling what can enter and exit our country. Yes or no. And I'm not saying that, um, everyone has disease, but you know, like I said, if you've lived somewhere else, you may be carrying a pathogen that you don't even know is a pathogen because it's not a pathogen to you, but it is to me. And that's how we've had invasive species enter our country uh, into our plant life and uh, animals being introduced wrongfully, insects causing uh, chaos. Like in the Redwood Forest, there was such an event, you know, where <clears throat> a certain insect had invaded and they didn't know what it was because it wasn't naturally there. And it was something that was transplanted from Florida accidentally. Think even from Florida to California, it caused an issue. Imagine it coming from, you know, Mogadishu, um, here. So these are things that we need to think about when we talk about the wall. And when you hear someone saying, oh, it's just racist and immoral, be like, yeah, but you know, these people can be bringing disease. How racist are you saying all of them are sick? And I'm like, (laughs) I usually say, no, they're not all sick. But you know, me going into another country can infer that I'm sick because I I may be exposed to viruses and bacteria that they're not, and it could take the whole continent out. If it wants to, this is why we quarantine our pets when we travel. So these are things we need to think about when it comes to the wall. I can't believe a half hour just went. So I'm up for my break. I'll see you guys in just a few. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, Hey, try this. Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978. 
That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Before I get into some news that no one's actually talked about, um, I want to play the clip from President Trump's um, speech yesterday prior, well, after having the Clemson Tigers. And I want to just talk about that for a little bit. Something different. You know, we had uh, to make a decision. We could have seen you in about two months, and I know a lot of you are off to all sorts of camps, and they're all checking you out, and you're going to be wealthy as hell in some cases. In other cases, in other cases, you're going to be coming back, and you're going to have another great year. I don't know if you can ever do 15 and 0. I hear that's the first time, right? Yes, 15 sir. and 0. Yes, Has that ever happened before? I don't think so. So I don't know, but you'll do as good, right? You'll do as good. But so I had a choice. Do we have no food for you? Because we have a shutdown. Or do we give you some little quick salads that the first lady will make along with, along with the second lady? They'll make some salads. And I said, you guys aren't into salads. Or do I go out, Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott, do I go out and send out for about 1,000 hamburgers, Big Macs? So we actually did. We bought 1,000 Burger King, all American companies, Burger King, Wendy's, and McDonald's. We have Big Macs, we have Quarter Pounders with cheese, we have everything that I like that you like. (laughs) And I know no matter what we did, there's nothing you can have that's better than that, right? (laughs) And so we ordered, we literally have, and I don't know, have they started uh, eating and devouring? I wanted to see, so it was piled up a mile high. I just wanted to see what was left. I saw it at the beginning. How much is left back there? How much? They go, not much. (laughs) All right. So 
a lot, a lot was said. And first of all, it's great for him to show his sense of humor and also uh, demonstrate that he loves Big Macs, like we all know in his Diet Coke. He totally loves that. Um, but what was important for us to see was what he was saying. So he said, I could invite you back in two months. So he expects that the shutdown is going to stop somewhere in March. <laughs> I said that before, right? And a lot of people have been saying it's going to be a long shutdown. And that's how long it's going to take because that's when General Flynn is going back, um, you know, for his sentencing, isn't it? Just a coincidence, maybe, whatever. But here's where it struck me more. He got burgers and pizza a mile high. You know, everyone's like, no, they were just two inches high. (laughs) He took pictures. That was a figure of speech. But, you know, CNN and all, you know, those that coined themselves as news, and they're not. Their entertainment and propaganda uh, started uh, calling him out because they weren't really a mile high. But what I wanted to point out is, when he was standing in front of the food and uh, before they came saying, we got this, they put the French fries all in little White House cups and uh, everything. He, you know, he, he paid for it out of his own pocket. So being an investigative journalist like I am, I reached out to sources to find out how much he had spent for that spread. You know, it's a party with pizza and burgers. Well, he spent like a couple grand out of his pocket to get all that. I mean, let's pretend you get 50 pizzas. You know, that's a couple hundred dollars, right? And let's pretend you get the Big Macs. They're two for five. So he had about 50 of them. Just do the math yourself. But I wanted to reach out and find out. So it was like, you know, three to 4,000 was the estimation that I was provided over the phone. So it, um, it's pretty curious because, you know, I was looking at parties that are thrown at the White House many, many times. Uh, I'm one that loves to kind of be into that. And apparently, you know, even previous administrations love throwing parties. And there was a specific email that was sent in 2012 um, prior to, um, it was a Chicago hot dog Friday. Sounds pretty benign. I don't know if everybody knows what a Chicago hot dog is supposed to be, but what it is is a hot dog with relish, onion, mustard, and ketchup, right? Has all the fixings. Well, in this, in this email chain, it seemed really, really creepy. Uh, it was between people, uh, at Stratford, um, and, uh, Einstein said, uh, if we get the same waitresses, I'm all for it. And waitresses was in air quotes. And I'm thinking, dude, if the chicks are hot, you're just going to say waitresses. So obviously it's not really a waitress. So huh, that's flag number one. But then it says, I think Obama spent about $65,000 of taxpayer money to fly in pizza slash hot dogs from Chicago for a very private party at the White House not long ago. Assuming that we're using the same channels. Well, that's funny. Pizza isn't that expensive. Even if you fly it in, let's pretend you book a whole charter flight. That'll cost you what? Five grand to get like a charter to just stock up on pizza and then put the pizza and the hot dogs together. Shouldn't be more than what? 15 if you really want to fly it from Chicago. How is it 65,000? Is it really? I'm just saying this could have been our president's way of saying he knows. And for those of us that are paying attention to everything he says carefully, because he told us when the shutdown is ending in that speech, 
you have all the information you need. You don't even need to turn on CNN. You can troll them. I love trolling people. Uh, well, not people, but the mainstream media or anyone that calls themselves a journalist and they're really not. Uh, so that was uh, pretty telling for me. I was very proud that he was that bold, but he did it in such a discreet way. It's pretty impressive. I mean, if anyone's on the same page with me, they totally agree. I would love to see those invoices for those pizzas and those hot dogs during the Obama administration, especially when my taxpayer money was used. I mean, there should be record. Oh, gosh, darn it. I forgot. He sealed presidential records on his first day in office in 2009. He ensured that presidential records are sealed. I'm waiting for President Trump to undo that with one pen swipe. Now, that's the thing. If someone understands the enemy that they're up against, it's really, really easy because the supreme excellence is when you break the enemy's resistance without fighting. And this is exactly what our president is doing. A lot of people are kind of like, this is insane. You know, he should do this. He should undo this executive order. He should undo that. He should no patience. Patience, patience. You need to let them think you're losing because it's all warfare in general is a big deception game. So when we're the strongest and able to attack, we have to look like we're totally disarmed and unable to attack. When we are using our forces and attacking, it has to look like we're doing absolutely nothing. When we're close to the enemy, we must make the enemy think that we're totally far away, far, far away. And, you know, we must make him believe, though, that we're near when we're really far. So the it's a deception game. This is strategy, military strategy 101. So many, many times we're... I've been telling you that he's been working and using our forces to fix things and do things and attack those that are funding or assisting this DC disgusting mafia that runs our country. Yet people are like, but they're not doing the perp walk. Well, that's because we don't want them to see what we're doing or, you know, they're kind of getting it, but, mm. You know, we have to look like we're really not doing anything when we're doing a lot. And here's an example. I'm going to take you down through a history lesson quickly, okay? Uh, and this is the story of Guinea. Guinea, some would pronounce it Guinea. So it's a country in Africa. Now, um, Guinea is in West Africa, right? And... Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Ahmed Sekouture. It is, and he was the president of the Republic of Guinea. And um, he uh, was 
a leader and he was actually the first president of Guinea and he was president from 1958 to 1984 when he died of a heart attack. Uh, term limits, anyone, right? But anyway, um, he was a nationalist, supposedly, supposedly. Okay, keep in mind, supposedly, I'm going to repeat that, um, which um, helped his country gain independence from France. Uh, we have to be honest, though, we had um, Peter Strzok's dad working in the area uh, during his um, second decade of service and third, uh, where he literally took down a whole country and rebooted it uh, in uh, Western Africa. So he wasn't as a savior as uh, Africans would like to think he is. So in 1960, uh, he had his um, Democratic Party of Guinea, and it was the only party that was legally recognized, okay? So he was like the biggest head honcho you could see. I mean, all Africans from around Africa <clears throat> consider him to be the best of the best, you know, liberating Africans from the French, et cetera, et cetera, right? Now he has a son, his son actually, upon um, his death, left and moved to the United States, where he lived uh, with his uh, wife, Denise Gros-Dur. Miss Tour and Mr. Tour lived in uh, Texas. Uh, none of them worked. Uh, Miss Tour actually, I believe, did a stint as a substitute teacher in 2016, and um, she had a job. What did? Um, gosh darn it! I'm trying to remember what she did. She had a job in 2005, 2006, uh, doing something. I'm trying to remember what. It'll come to me. But um, what they did was they had brought over a girl with a tourist visa at the age of five from Guinea. Okay. Because they travel and they brought this young girl, five years old, uh, with them. And from the day she landed, she was their house slave. That little girl would clean cook, make beds, take care of their other five kids, which some of them are adults. So it makes you sick to your stomach right now that their kids are somewhere in our nation attending college. One of them is in college um, for sure, because this little girl, instead of sleeping on the floor, was upgraded to a twin bed when one of them went to college. So think about that for a second. They raised five kids with a slave and they're in our society and them being adults, not reporting it. That's a big deal. I'm really hoping that the justice department is focusing on that too, because they announced, um, on Thursday that they were guilty of enslaving a girl from Guinea for 16 years at their house in Dallas. Fort Worth, um, at a Fort Worth, uh, suburb. Um, and that's where she was a slave. She was, uh, physically and mentally abused. Uh, she, um, was tortured basically. Uh, she had no life, no childhood. She was their slave, their in-home slave. Think about it. This is that president's son who, under investigation, they found didn't even work, but he got, you know, 
money from foreign deposits, 200000 and upwards. How incredible is it that this little girl would wake up at like 6 a.m. and make everyone's beds, clean, cook, garden, do chores, and um, she would continue until all their kids went to bed. It is disgusting. And, you know, witnesses would see that she would do these things for 16 years. So this was from 2000 to 2016. How nasty. But what if I tell you that Tory digs up that these people also donated to the Clinton campaign, were cozy with the Obamas? This is where you need to see how we're working and not making noise. A lot of people are going to be exposed that never thought they'd be exposed They even had the cheek to go to court saying, oh, they didn't want to send her back to Guinea fearing for her. Why? Your father was praised there. Why would they hunt down this little girl that is nothing but a slave? It is pretty incredible. It is pretty incredible. And this young lady at the age of 22 found the courage to entrust in people around her to help her escape, help her report. And one woman told her, just gather evidence that you've been there since you were a little kid. Just gather. So she was illegally in this country, brought over obviously against her will, physically and mentally abused, and also a slave And people would see it and keep their mouths shut. You know what's also funny? That's the thing. Denise Tour worked for Delta between 2005-2006. I have reached out um, to a couple friends that I know in the airlines to see if someone can get back to me. Because I'd really like to find out what she did with airlines during the period of 2005 to 2006. Because we have to remember, these are people that relied on on overseas deposits upwards of $200,000 a year. They had a slave and no one said a word. And they have raised five kids in our nation with a slave in their household that they did as they pleased. I would be very interested to see what their kids did to that slave. This is what we are fighting. This is one example of how many around the nation. How many children around the nation are treated in the same way? All brought how? Okay. This one was brought in with a a visiting visa, right? A tourist visa. But who's going to question the son of the foreign president of a country that supposedly set the tone for liberating Africa? This is stuff we have to talk about. This is what should be on the news. This is what should be making everyone upset and up in arms. But it's not. Instead, we're talking about how President Trump didn't have mile-high Big Macs. But no one talked about how $65,000 of American taxpayer money was paid for hot dogs and pizza to be flown in from Chicago. What did they do? Were these hot dogs special? Were they foil, you know, covered in gold foil? What was so special about that pizza? Because, you know, DC's got some really badass eateries, right? We, let's be honest, right? 
The Capitol has some really good uh, eateries. So these are these are questions that aren't being asked by anyone in the mainstream media. They're pretending that human trafficking and child trafficking doesn't exist when it is very apparent. And I've said it before. It's not just selling them into slavery and sex slavery, but it's the experiments. When you want a drug to pass through FDA, because I've done it, my technology, I went to children that were stage four, you know, where medicine had said, we can't help you. You're done. Let's get into hospice. Those are the patients I went for because I was like, if it's working on children, then I only have to execute one trial. So I sourced out to start with pediatric trials from the get-go and not adults. Why? Because then I don't have to repeat my drug trial again for pediatrics. So again, children are imperative when it comes to drug trials. This lucrative industry, do you know how many people have uh, privately funded research and government that include children that no one's going to miss, no one's going to see? And, you know, they quantify, they think, let's say this way, they excuse themselves from putting children under this stress uh, with potential death, defects, and pain with the outcome of it's going to save so many people. And you know what outrages me? There is a new show. I actually like it, and I watched it. It premiered yesterday called The Passage, which kind of shows like there's like a virus that makes people vampires or something, right? But they're not really vampires, but they're resistant to any disease. So what the government did was go to prisons to people that have life sentences and say, look, you can either be executed or you can come to Colorado where I can give you more time and you can relax, you can have TV and you'll be, but you're going to participate in a drug trial. And this is what they do normally, right? Uh, This doesn't happen just in the movies, right? This is real stuff. Well, it came to the point that they realized that maybe children are the better pathway, so they need a child. So they sourced out to find a child that no one would ask for, that had no family, probably not a lot, not a very long history in foster care, that could disappear instantly. And that is how the show started, showing you just how the Department of Defense will intervene when it comes to the needs of experimentation. And this is a real thing. They harm children. And, you know, some people say, well, it's for the benefit of the good. So if I don't know about it, I don't care about it. Because there are people like that that make those excuses. Kind of like the lady on the show who was like, well, it's going to save a lot of people. So, And it's like, it's 2019. You can grow cells and see how they react in a laboratory. We can, we can grow organs and 3d print them really, but okay, whatever for the sake of the movie. But you would think that laboratories would do the same thing. Maybe grow tissue or organs or 3d print them like we can now, but no, they need subjects lucrative industry. So this is why it's not only children, but it's adults too. They prey on these vulnerable people to bring them into our country. Promising them the best. Promising them, uh, you know, a better life. But they just have to do this task. 
And if you're in the street selling, you know, uh, Kleenex wipes while you're washing someone's car window and everyone who's traveled around the world knows exactly what I'm talking about, where you pull up to the red light and they come with the bucket and they wash your window and, you know, or like, hey, give me something. That's if you're going to be pulled out of the life where you're hustling washing windows at red lights or hustling selling Kleenex to people on the street, uh, you know, where you're hustling so you don't have to rent the sidewalk because they literally rent sidewalk for people to sleep on in some areas of India. If they can offer you the possibility of having anything you've seen on TV, you'll jump at it. These people are preyed upon. It is our duty, our humanitarian duty to do anything we can to deter such actions. You know, what our president is doing is incredible and he's not given enough credit, but from what he said yesterday, we can expect that within two months we should have some tangible, well, I wouldn't say tangible above water developments that are way too evident to even hide. Like the media won't even, the mainstream fake news media won't even be able to skew this. He said it with his own mouth, two months. And that's what we're waiting for. This wall is more than just, you know, uh, uh, what they're saying. Oh, it's an ego thing. No, it's not. It's a humanitarian thing. Think, let's just take a think that you just had a child and, um, something happened to you, you were in a car accident, you know, fell off a bridge, whatever. And your child is all alone and it's sitting in the police station and federal agents come and scoop it up and tell it, Oh, we think your mommy was sick. We need to come. We need you to come with us. And that child is being tortured for life uh, or as long as their life may be, or how short to undergo experimentation, either that be mental because they do that. Or physical. So what are the uh, uh, chances of that happening? A few. But what about all the children that are already spoken for where there's really deep pockets investigating, I don't know, maybe how to increase brave way and brave uh, brain waves and they order a few kids. And they tell them they need to be of this blood type. They have to have these antibodies and you're going to get $5 million a head. And so these coyotes go out around the world and find those children. And obviously they're going to come from countries where they can penetrate uh, medical databases easier and undetected, like in Central America, South America, Pakistan, India, Africa, right? Where they can bribe someone with 500 bucks and says, give me your password. Let me look up stuff. And then they kidnap those kids and bring them through our border that has no wall and hand them over. This happens every day. This is something real. And this is something our president is fighting for. Well, I'm coming up to my break. So we'll shift gears right after the break. I'll open the phone lines and we'll talk USMCA and what that entails for us and foreign aid that we provide that we shouldn't be. Again, you can call in at 215-TOP-TALK. I'd love to hear from you and let's talk.
See you in a few. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic. Unfiltered news. Real news. All right. Welcome back for the second half hour. I'm your host, Tori. Again, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Tori underscore says or Gab Tori underscore says. I've received a few messages throughout the show. Um, Thank you. Okay. So everyone wants to hear my commentary on William Barr because I uh, published an article about him. And like I've said before, he is as deep state as they come. The article was published on December 6, 2018 on TorySays.com. You can go into the search bar on the landing page and just type in William Barr and he'll come up. Where I I made it clear that he's CIA from the day uh, he graduated college. And I also provided uh, Department of Defense records and documents in in support of what was being stated. Now, I've also put pictures of William Barr hanging with the usual suspects, you know, creepy Biden, etc. And commentary from a gentleman that actually had a written license to kill from George W. Bush. So, you know, I pointed out how Barr had a drinks with Noriega when they were missing about $100 million of drug money. So why would President Trump nominate him? That's a question everybody has. I mean, William Barr has rubbed elbows with Brennan. He's friends with all of them. He worked for them. He's the one that helped create the laws that the Clintons established, which was, you know, super predators. But he did that after he ensured that prisons were privatized. Hence, you know, legal slavery, right? This is where they were privatized and started making goods and making money, right? And providing us people for experiments, of course. Because uh, if anyone thinks that there's no substantiation to what I am saying, you need not look further than, uh, you know, the CIA library and things that have been made apparent because they've been doing this for over a century. William Barr is creepy. Just looking at him gives you the heebie-jeebies. His whole uh, hearing is horrid. Though one thing came up where the Democrats tried to use William Barr to peddle 
some conspiracy of Whitaker getting paid $1.2 million from a front group. And so the senator was asking him, you know, is this a curtain? What's going on? And Barr said, I don't believe Whitaker had done anything wrong. And the White House cautioned, um, you know, the nominee that there were enough facts and evidence to make that determination. So here's where someone might see this. And let's, you know, because we don't know the full extent of this war. We can only assume that our president has declared upon a global conspiracy against humankind, against the people of America, because their goal was to enslave every man, woman, and child in our nation. So could it be that William Barr, having been embedded so deeply into this lifestyle, suddenly have a change of heart? Or could it be that William Barr is the missing link for us to find more? Those are questions we all have and will be answered from what we understand by the president in two months. Maybe William Barr is what's necessary to take down Mueller. These are things that we need to trust. Our president has delivered. He is boosting our economy. He is starving out all of these D.C. globalist mafia lowlifes that have infested the foggy bottom in the hill for, for over a century. He is undoing a century's work of planning and he intervened halfway through their implementation rollout. Nobody trusts William Barr. The Democrats are at this point where they're like, he's our guy, but what's going on? Why would Trump nominate him? The Republicans are kind of like, oh my gosh, he's, you know, and when I say Republicans, let me put it this way. The people in office, because I believe that there's two or three Democrats out there that are actually for the people and just kind of slid in there without mentioning names yet, are thinking, okay, I don't get it. Why would President Trump do this? But I'll just roll with it. Just like all of us are sitting there thinking, what is he doing? How is he doing this? But we have to trust it because everything he does has been already discussed and formulated. Nothing is coincidence. Nothing he says is a slip of the tongue or random. Calling out Jeff Bozo the clown yesterday was not chance because with his divorce with his wife, Weipo may indeed go in different hands. And we may see things coming out from Amazon because of this divorce. Because when you're that rich and you have that much money, if your husband cheats on you, you really don't care 
because you can have your side gig and have the real love of your life living in your house and your husband won't say a word because he doesn't want to give you half. When you're that rich, decisions of moving or decoration are not a problem. So therefore you stay. This is why, you know, a lot of people are like, when you're rich, you're unhappy. It's because you do things that you would normally not do. But for her to decide to divorce him so many years in, you know, it's not because he cheated and you know, it's not about money. It's about something she saw he did and she just disagreed. That's what we have to look at. The things that are coming in the next two months. He told us, could have had you here in two months. That's when the shutdown is going to end. That's what we need to focus on, right? Now, as promised, we're going to talk about the USMCA. Um, I think I do have my line open. It's um, 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. Feel free to call in if you have any specific questions or anything you'd like to talk about. So let's get into this USMCA together um, and what it means for us. Now, the USMCA, as President Trump said, is not NAFTA. People are saying it's a revamped NAFTA. And I'm going to tell you, it's a, it's a pretty good trade agreement because it slid in a few things that um, were pretty slick. One thing that people are vocal about is that the USMCA has uh, – slid in some verbiage that um, gives big tech giants the uh, right to censor without any liability. But see, that's that's what's cool is that uh, if indeed they do censor and they're held without liability, then that would mean that they're held to the standards of a publisher. So that removes their immunity from what is being published. So... Even though a lot of people have criticized this, they need to see it both ways. If you have one law that says, you know, you can censor as long as, um, but basically the words are, they can restrict material it considers harmful or objectionable, which is a trap. Because if Twitter starts to do that, then they legally take the form of a publisher. Therefore, they cannot hide under the guise of being not liable for what's being published. So this was a trap (laughs) and it's being slowly set and they're all falling into it, which is pretty incredible because with Larry Clayman, we'll see a lot of developments on that front. You know, there were many harsh critics about that point, but you know, we need to understand that everything is done with, I would say, calculated moves. Another thing is that uh, this USMCA will allow Canadians to come and shop 
online or in person with higher duty-free limits. Before, if you were in Canada and you ordered an American product, you were only allowed to not pay duty on anything that was $20 or less or $19.99, let's say, right? Or less. Anything above that, you'd have to pay duty on top of whatever shipping if you had shipping. Well, now the USMCA has increased that online shopping amount to $150. And then when you're in the United States, which means for states like mine that are bordering to Canada, we're going to see a lot more people influxing to purchase things because things are cheaper here with the Canadian dollar, right? That they can actually increase their amount. So if they stay uh, 24 hours within the U.S., so if they just stay overnight, um, they can bring $200 worth of goods, 200 Canadian dollars worth of goods with no duty. But if they stay 48, it's 800. So the USMCA has just increased our shopping tourism, which is our border tourism. So states like you know New York. Um, you know, uh, Wisconsin, North Dakota, um, you know, Montana, uh, Seattle, all of those will benefit from border shopping because even down here, I'm away from the border. I mean, I could get to winning peg. Well, I have to be careful what I say. So, um, if I follow the speed limit, I could be there in four and a half hours. Um, to get to the border, if I follow the speed limit, it would take me, you know, uh, about two hours. So, you know, people drive all the way down to where I am, which is two hours following the speed limit from the border. And they shop, they come to Walmart and they shop. They even have buses that drive Canadians from Canada into the United States with a two night hotel stay or whatever to just shop. So this is a big deal. It opens up that shop tourist market and it also allows Canadians to purchase more American products online without the fear of uh, paying duty. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool if you think about it. Uh, he's done that. And, you know, Canadians love it because they want to make their Canadian dollar stretch, especially now that Canada is under great strain because this deal has actually caused um, some harm to Canada. So you know how we can outsource uh, our small businesses. So like, for example, uh, between Canada and the U.S. under this agreement, if you have a small business, I don't know, let's pretend you have, oh, something that I know of. Say you have a interpreting or translation business. You can actually compete for government contracts in Canada now and in the United States, of course, to offer those services. Canada had a deal with the European Union on doing that, on offering services like that, let's pretend like interpreter or translator services, uh, to them remotely from Canada with the European government. Well, the USMCA says, uh-uh, you can't do that. You have to go with America's first. So it has to be, you have to exhaust American outlets for work. Um, and that's the only one. And if you want to do something outside of that, we have to talk about it. Um, so that's a big deal too. So now 
Trump has won on forcing them to trade here because it's favorable and proximal and our business acumens are very similar to those of our bordering nations. I mean, I don't know how close it is to Mexico, but whatever. Uh, so our American small businesses can like roofers, maybe roofers can compete for roofing contracts in Canada. Right? So this was done through the USMCA. I'm just pointing out the stuff that people aren't really talking about. Um, but let's talk about dairy, uh, wheat, you know, farming. I'm, I'm, well, I would be classified as a farmer. Well, if the property was in my name, right? But I know everything. I know stuff about farming uh, in regards to olive groves and almond groves. I spent my time as a child tending to them. Uh, I know what it entails. Uh, you know, we make oil. My family makes oil and we get it pressed and then we sell it to uh, larger retailers that then rebottle it as theirs. Uh, you know, it's not like you know, the Greek olive farms, all the Greek olive oils all come from one farm. You can have oil on your table that came from lands that were mine. Uh, well, my family's. So this is something that I understand. So I'm going to try to uh, put it in, in layman terms because I'm also a layman when it comes to this and breaking it down. So we have the eggs and dairy industry. So here's what was going on with dairy. So for some reason, the way NAFTA was set up before is that say, you, say you're a farmer in Wisconsin and you have like 20 cows and you make, you know, I don't know, one metric ton of milk, I'm just saying, and you would export that to Canada, it would be classified, first of all, differently. And then when we would import dairy from Canada, they would sell us back the same milk that they purchased from us at a zero tariff. So if you sold a ton of your milk to them for 20 bucks, when you got it back, you know, when we'd have to repurchase, because that's part of the purchasing agreement, we'd buy that same exact milk that we just sent them for like 60 bucks. <laughs> So that was the unfaired one-sided thing. They get it with no extra tariff and we buy it with like an insane tariff. I'm just trying to make it as simple as possible. So the USMCA uh, started to roll out what class six and class seven milk is. So just so you guys understand, those are like specific terms where um, class six is for, uh, it's like the process to create skim milk components um, or, you know, that sweet condensed milk or making wet into dry stuff that they use like in, um, you know, skim milk powders uh, that are actually milk products that are powdered form, milk protein, some are for infant formulas and something called ultra filtered milk. So that is... Um, that is going, uh, that's gone. So these provisions are going to, these provisions that he put in there eliminate, um, pricing structures that the Canadians had in place, like in types of class of milk and how much more higher it would be and how it come in. Like class seven is like using, um, skim milk components, but also like skim and whole milk powders, um, casein and other powders that are derived from milk. So these classes are gone. There's no more. Um, because basically this is kind of going to ensure that whatever solids that are being used from skim milk. And, you know, I am a big proponent of not using, uh, 
skim milk or non-fat because they actually use chemicals to strip those and those chemicals are known to be carcinogenic. So anyone that actually drinks non-fat or low-fat milk, remember they use chemicals to strip that. So that's that's something that mm, I'm all about the uh, farm-to-table milk, but you know it's really hard to find raw milk. Um, anyway, so in this case, with this agreement, it ensures that the prices for all these concentrates, uh, like going into infant formulas, creating you know non-fat dry milk or powdered milk or whatever, um, are are not going to be competitive in regards to being a lower price than those in the United States. So if we have this powdered milk, these um, skim milk um, solids that we have to make these products and we sell them for $5, Canada go, can't go and compete and sell them for 4 It's a flat, you know, we've totally leveled the playing field saying, no, all of us need dairy and we're all going to play the same. So this was a pretty good deal. They don't lose, they lose a competitive edge, I guess, which means that big markets, uh, within our, within our country will prefer to purchase American first rather than purchase from the Canadians, even though there's a tariff, because you know, if you buy in bulk and it's $4, you'll get it for two fifty. So it kind of balances out and you save a couple pennies rather than buying it from here. Um, you know, if anybody watches Shark Tank, you get what I'm talking about. So that was one. Uh, another thing is, is that, um, you know, the Canadians were really, really upset with this, uh, but Canada promised to say that they're going to look after their farmers and it has to be the fair thing we do. And, you know, uh, we're going to compensate the farmers. They're going to be losing on this incredible benefit that they had with this NAFTA deal that was super one-sided, right? But then the other thing that we have is that, uh, you know, our chicken and our eggs uh, have not been competitive throughout the Americas. So now um, there's going to be more being exported from us. So um, let me just pull up the document. It says it'll be at least 50, 50, over 55,000 metric tons by year six of this agreement with a 1% increase each additional year for 10 years. So that means more money for our farmers. And um, it shows that Canada itself will be taking on at least at over 10 million dozen eggs from Americans, uh, from American markets, right? Based on the USMCA just in year one. So the chickens uh, obviously are following suit. So these are deals that our president put together to help our farmers. But the really slick thing he did, right, was slip in just this, you know, sneaky macroeconomic policy, which I adore. Because like I've said, just because there is one law doesn't mean that there isn't another to counter. And it speaks more than anything because uh, if you um, – you know, just Google Tory, uh, go to big league politics and go in their search bar and put IMF big bully. It actually targets the IMF. 
and makes it seem like we're giving them a position of authority for negotiation. But in actual fact, we're tying their hands. And remember, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, is like the yang for the Federal Reserve. They trade on debt, and the Federal Reserve is the one that has the debt, that writes the fake IOUs that everyone backs their currency with, you know, that fake currency that we all call a dollar that's really not worth anything. So he added this and it was um, agreed as uh, the currency for the USMCA in a sense. So one would say, oh no, this is like the NAU. No, it just means that we're not sharing currency. But if we do anything to fluctuate our currency, meaning you know, we do something to fiddle with the exchange rates and cause harm to the Mexican peso from where it is or the Canadian dollar, you know, giving us an unfair competitive advantage, kind of like right now, a Canadian coming into America can buy two big things of bounty kitchen paper as opposed to one in Canada. So if suddenly we do something targeted, you know, intentionally, so they have to prove that we did this to give our currency power over theirs, not in general, making it too competitive, uh, you know, where they can now buy three and preferring ours, then the IMF would step in. And it's specifically, it says that, um, in the IMF article agreement that they're referring to is to avoid manipulating exchange rates or the international monetary system in order to prevent uh, effective balance of payments adjustment or gain an unfair competitive advantage. That is awesome. Because the thing is, like we said, we know that President Trump is getting on the Federal Reserve. And we're going into a gold-backed currency. So would it be that we're manipulating exchange rates? No. We're manipulating our currency to have more of a backing and remove this fake Federal Reserve. So in essence, we do not violate any monetary things because the, the NAFTA agreement had very specified terms. So, you know, in this chapter, the transparency and reporting requirements demand public disclosure on monthly data uh, for international reserve balances that we have and any intervention in foreign exchange markets. So there's full transparency and, you know, um, the IMF will step in if there's a disagreement and um, can't find some common ground. So that's pretty incredible because we've not only fixed the trade to be fair, but we've ensured that they can't harm us with manipulating their currencies. That's up to my break. I'll see you guys in a bit and we'll continue this talk. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, 
the more it didn't work. So you switch to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com All right, so welcome back. Some of you said that you called into the line and it was busy. Um, I apologize for that. I don't know. I mean, you can try it. It looks like it's fine. Again, 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. I'll continue on this USMCA, but I just wanted to bring you some breaking news. I think we talked about this at the beginning. Not at the beginning. I think it was like... um, the 10th or yeah, it was the 10th of January where, I, where uh, a story came out of President Trump and, you know, how uh, the how some investigations were going, how they were investigating him for why he fired Comey and underlying reasons. And what I said was he's got. Uh, the plumber's out. Well, it turns out that they've narrowed that down. And we've all known it. And we'll talk about it just after this point I want to make with the USMCA. So I've been talking about money. I've been talking about how President Trump is looking to change our currency and how all these agreements that we've had for decades have been detrimental to our economy, basically relinquishing our control to depict and to um, create an economy with our own workforce and with our own vision of where we want to be. 
forfeiting those rights to others to make those negotiations. Well, from day one, the president has been working on that, creating new agreements with other uh, nations. And this USMCA is um, not the first of its kind. So what he did was he set precedent with the Asian continent first and the Korean Peninsula, where he pretty much made the same commitments with everyone, which he's made an agreement, which is like, we're not going to mess with each other's currency. Korea, even though we're trading, I don't know, I'm just saying now bottles, for example, you're not allowed to manipulate your currency. So people buy more bot. So bottles are more favorable from you. If I'm trading bottles too, kind of like that just so it's easier to understand. So this USMCA has done exactly the same thing, which means that Canada now has very big issues with the European Union. They acknowledge that we are one of their largest trading partners. And the European Union right now is literally on fire. No one knows how long they will last because new alliances are being formed every day with other nations outside of the EU. We have Saudi Arabia coming in aggressively to the Mediterranean nations. We have a great PM down for Italy working for Italians. We've got the Greeks working with the Russians. We've got the Balkans working with the Russians. We've got Turkey in turmoil freaking out because they're losing a lot of money. And we have President Trump telling Turkey, maybe we can work on trade together, which is disabling the European Union because the The head of the beast begins with the first one that ran the experiment post-World War II. That is where the idea of the EE, the European Economic Union, was given birth to. Right off the bat from Hitler. They took his playbook and said, all right, we need to fine-tune it, make it a little bit more socially acceptable and do it. And by doing this, we're going to get people to sign stuff. We're going to do stuff. We're going to have all these agreements and we're going to tell countries what they're allowed to trade and how they trade it. We're in charge. So the EU did that and conned over 25 nations to join in, you know, waving money in front of greedy, corrupt politicians that jumped at the chance. And our nation was propelling that because they were the rollout. They were the first stage rollout, which began in 2000. And in our nation, that rollout began with the Obama administration with a head full force in 2010, and was coming to an end of the final, well, coming to the beginning of the final phase in 2016, which, you know, Obama was still working as normal because he never thought she would lose. And so she was supposed to take it home and didn't. This USMCA tells you all you need to know about what our president is planning. He has disabled the countries that are our biggest trading partners because they are. Mexico and Canada are. I mean, they're right next door to us. They cost less to move things around. They grow. They're huge in regards to actual size, right? And they have products that we use and we have products they use and need. So we are great trading partners. But the only issue is, is that they're influenced by other countries. This USMCA puts the Americas first, which means it's America first. 
So that means no more Europe. And this is bringing a lot of tension and Trudeau's having a lot of issues right now uh, trying to buffer with the EU, especially the United Kingdom, because remember, they're part of the crown business. So if anything, this USMCA was created on the precedent where we have the Korean uh, Free Trade Agreement, the agreements that we're, we're negotiating right now with China, because that's where we're stuck. We're not stuck on soybeans. These tariffs are nothing. We're talking about currency manipulation. And these are probably talks that we're having with Russia. We've had them with Saudi Arabia. We've had them with all these nations that we import and export to. If we want fair trade, we got to play fair. There's no cheating. And the cheating is manipulating your currency. And since I intend to release us all from this promissory note prison, we all need to be on the same page. This is the work that he's been doing in the background that no one is talking about. It is far deeper than anyone thought. And the thing is, this is how you break the enemy's resistance without fighting. By speaking common sense and by holding them hostage to their own words. That's the way it is. Remember, to know your enemy, right? You must become your enemy. These are very important words when it comes to any type of warfare that our president has so geniusly implemented. We know he'll win because he knows how to battle this out. And he knows when you should fight and when you shouldn't. He knows how to handle the low-level thugs and those that think they are more superior or very well networked. He has prepared himself and waits until they're unprepared for what he comes with. And because those that he is trying to take out, this DC, these globalist elitists that he's trying to take out are all aiming for the same goal, it's easier to dismantle them. And the worst and the strongest, I would say, thing that he has, and it's the worst for them, is that his troops, his fighters cannot be interfered with because they're global. He has supporters all over the world. Our president has supporters everywhere. So it's very hard for these elitists to take him down when it's not something that they all, they don't have in common an alliance. The only alliance they have is to themselves. And because he depicts uh, that self-resilience, he's never going to lose. That's why we're winning. So this is how it happens. Remember, it's two months. He said it. The USMCA was one of the hardest pills that Canada had to swallow. We see Canadians uh, going nuts, you know, in the ag business saying, but we were benefiting from this. Yeah, but it's only fair. But when, you know, and how do they respond to that? It's fair trade now. 
because you know it's really funny, right? Everything that President Trump has done for the past two years in office has completely caused confusion throughout all those that are enemies of the people. They have no idea which direction he's going. They have no idea what his next move is. And that means that they have no idea what his real intention is. If he's doing things that would be something they would do, but he's not really doing it. Make sense. They are so confused that they don't know if they're coming or going. You know, I can almost guarantee you that every time the door knocks in Comey's house, someone knocks on the door or Hillary Clinton, her security teller that there's a car driving up her driveway or when they hear a helicopter over their house, their hearts stop. I guarantee you their hearts stop because they know it's only a matter of time. They know that they're boxed in and they don't know why he hasn't come out and done it yet. That is torture for them. For that, I applaud him, Uh, you know, applaud him completely for that, right? Because that is genius. Because right now he's won that battle of them looking over their shoulder without even having to fight. And if you notice, every single day, it seems like the uh, leftist agenda has moved. And it's not because they shifted their view or their point of view because they, um, they wanted to. It's because they had to. Because now, even their message uh, is off the beat of the drum of President Trump. They are just attacking him. They have run out of ammo. They have restart their alphabet of contingency plans and have nothing because he has confused them completely. And because he knows our enemies, he's able to know how to stand and defend us, which is key in this case. So... Speaking of leakers, uh, we know that articles have been going out showing that the FBI had it out to take down um, President Trump. And now it's um, being reported and it's kind of breaking-ish that um, James Baker, we talked about him I think a couple years ago as the possible leaker, but um, a letter was just sent out um, uh, signed by Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan uh, in regards to James Baker and his contribution to the New York Times, the recent New York Times article that was published on January 11th. Remember... When you want to entrap someone and you want to find out who your leaker is and how it gets to it, because I guarantee you, James Baker, who's a lawyer within the FBI, wasn't sitting in the room when it happened. He was told. So then you know exactly who was in the room and who had communications with James Baker. So now you're gone too. Because they wrote a letter asking for questions in regards to... Um, additional information of on, of your ongoing criminal investigation of James Baker as disclosed to the committee. 
On January 11, 2019, the New York Times published a story describing how senior FBI officials speculated about the president's motives terminating Director James Comey. The story described testimony given to the committee in October by former FBI general counsel James Baker. As the DOJ Office of the Inspector General has documented, other senior FBI officials also disclosed sensitive information to the media. Most notably, former FBI Deputy Director Andy McCabe. McCabe was fired for lying to the FBI Inspections Division, lying to the OIG investigators, and for lying to former Director James Comey about unauthorized communications to news organizations. So this is why McCabe was fired. And as we continue the investigative work, we felt it prudent to write to you seeking an update without being apprised of the contours of your leak investigation and Baker's role. We run the risk of inadvertently interfering with your prosecutorial plans. We have interviewed a multitude of current and former DOJ, DOJ, and FBI officials during our investigation and intend to continue our work in this Congress, hopefully with the support of Chairman Elijah Cummings. Separately, we understand the Senate committees with uh, jurisdictional authorities are evaluating their next fact-finding steps. So James Baker is under full-blown criminal investigation since 2017, which is now fully confirmed. And it seems that they continue to perpetuate these things, which is leaking. See, because the media doesn't report the real news. They can't report on the booming economy. They can't report on the low unemployment rate. The fact that our minorities are so-called minorities because it's 2019. There shouldn't be such a word as minority, right? It should just be American people. But... We have the lowest unemployment rates across the board. Our veterans, as President Trump reported, have the lowest unemployment rate too. I mean, these are incredible numbers. We have jobs and we don't even have people to fill them. That should be reported. It should be reported how people can put food on the table, how people are going out more, how the economy is being, you know, propelled into, um, I would say a golden period because this is the beginning of it. This is how it happens. We have jobs. You can walk out your door and just walk into a place that has a four, you know, wanted help sign and they'll hire you because they need you. There are jobs out there if you're willing to work. But then you have to think we have a large portion of the United States that has been very comfortable aside for the illegal from the illegal immigrants, right? We have a large portion dependent on not working. People that like to skim off the top. You know, people that mooch off the government and just get food stamps because they can. And then they like make makeshift side work. Like I'll clean a house and make, you know, uh, $250 a week and I'm getting free food. You know, food is expensive. I go out shopping for my family. Five bags is like 200 bucks but they get it for free because they don't work on purpose on the books. 
you know, they'll open up like little, uh, you know, things like, Hey, I'll bake for you or I'll make this for you. Buy it, you know, and they get food stamps because that can't be recorded because if you're baking, you know, a cake or if you're making a lasagna dish for people and they pay you 10 bucks here, 10 bucks there, I'm just saying you're racking up money that you're not reporting to, you know, the state agencies and they can't see that money. So there's a lot of people like that. And, you know, I would like to uh, talk about that more because uh, I'm going to try to invite Yang, who is a candidate, a Demo- he's running for president uh, on the Dem ticket, which is the most, um, for me, I see he is the most uh, potential winner for the Dems to actually cinch the nomination. And I tell you that now and no one's confirmed nominations and we're going to be here in a year you know hopefully if god allows that we're still alive and um talk about it because yang during his campaigning now he's handing out because he's rich right this universal income to prove his point and he's campaigning on the fact that he will be paying families a thousand dollars a month every single adult in the United States will be receiving a thousand dollars a month. And you will see all these losers and moochers that claim to have some imaginary disease, you know, that they can't make ends meet, but they're fine. As long as they get their fix, they have their TV cigarettes or whatever their game, you know, they really don't care about being productive citizens. They just want to exist and have fun. Those are the people that are going to vote for him. And I don't care if they say, well, I love Trump. No, you're not. You're going to love this guy because he's giving you money because you're a loser and that's the truth and a lot of people hate it when I say things like this but it's reality so he is one of the most dangerous candidates so what we need to do is focus now on 2020 uh like Sarah Reynolds says she's going to be doing a periscope every day and she's doing it until he gets reelected in 2020 it's important that we keep our eyes open with what he's doing I'm looking to find out if I can You know, if this is like pre-campaign, has he filed his presidential nomination? Because if he has and he's handing out money, he's pretty much buying votes. So we need to get that investigated, don't we? So Tori is going to be busy with D.C. um, filing questions and reports on this because they're advertising it. Like he's he's in the news where he went to New Hampshire and gave a family again money. I mean, for a family that can't work or, you know, decided they didn't want to learn a skill because they didn't have to. Now, now I'm not saying about women that chose to go into the workforce late because you know what's weird is that there's tons of programs. Like if you're a woman that's single with like 20 kids, you can actually qualify for a program. Well, they, they will teach you a skill and put you to work through internship. There is no excuse. Any lazy person sits in their house and doesn't work and demand that the government feed them. No excuse. Unacceptable. Because I'm a woman and I don't see any way, uh, you know, how this could be even remotely acceptable. There's tons of programs, especially for mothers. 
So this is scary because we've got a guy promising to hand out a thousand dollars a month to every single person. Now for high school kids that lives, you know, that have no ambition to do anything or want to go get gender studies degrees that go out there and rack up debt for a degree that is useless and cannot be applied in the real world like gender studies or feminism, you know, that are crying. This thousand dollars is their lifeline. These are the people that will be well into their 30s having roommates, you know, because they can't afford anything, but they'll have this $1,000 to split within. And, you know, if everyone's getting $1,000, guess what comes with that? Inflation. So this is the biggest threat to 2020 right now. And no one else is talking about it. No one else is. They're talking about Biden. Creepy Joe Biden will be out in a heartbeat with all those videos. Don't even talk about Michelle Obama. Seriously, you will see the man memes going nuts. There is no way anyone would want Michelle Obama because she's salty. She's vicious. And that's going to come out if she even dares to campaign. So I'm telling you, Yang is a problem. He's got the money to put up and float himself until the DNC sees the prospect and grabs him. And hold on because they know he's coming. And the thing is, Ocasio has gained a lot of ground just being dumb and stating things that aren't true. This guy with Ocasio, winning team. Like imagine if he made her her VP. Oh my gosh, it would be over. America would be devastated. I don't even think the Democrats would take a risk like that. Unless they put someone behind them, you know, where they would just like off both of them so they could take over. Just let them win so they can off them and have their own house speaker in there to back it up. That's the only way that I can see that happening. But this is dangerous stuff. 2020 is coming. It's scary uh, to think of what kind of candidates are coming in. And again, pandering on the vulnerable, pandering on the losers and the people that have no ambition and pandering on people that, you know, just want to exist and don't care about politics. You know, they're like, I don't care. I just want to be able to buy my curtains and watch my shows and have wine with my friends. I don't care who's in office, but then when it starts to bother them, they'll care. But by that point, the train is gone. That ship has sailed and you can't do diddly squat about it. Same thing happened with Obama with a lot of people. I was one of those people. To think, right? Someone that's so supposed woke that had seen the deep state from the inside. But at that point when Obama was coming, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any information. I was freshly back stateside. I didn't have much because they don't tell you much. So I was a sucker. I admit it. I was dumb. I, it wasn't that I was dumb. It's that I didn't do my homework and I didn't honor my vote. That is the most embarrassing moment for me in my life for not honoring my vote. Like I should, the way I tell my kids to honor their vote. I told my eldest when she was able to vote, I don't care what you do, but you will educate yourself and you will study up whoever you are voting for. And every single measure that's on a ballot, you better know that inside out. Do not disregard your vote. Do not not vote because that is the most important thing Americans have. 
Now, tomorrow, I'll talk about William Barr's testimony because I'll sit down and watch it all in the evening. We'll have Laura Loomer here with us telling us everything you need to know about um, her trip to California, her trip to the border, and what happened at Pelosi's house. And we'll hear about what else she's doing and what she has in the pipeline. Remember, you can always fund her research and her investigative activities at paypal.me backslash Laura Loomer. Until tomorrow, I wish you guys a healthy and happy evening. Have a wonderful day from all of us here at Red State. See you tomorrow. Thank you.